Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. This episode is titled Taking Kids Saltwater Fishing Summer Edition. We're going to be talking about taking kids fishing in the summertime. I'm going to be talking with Captain Mike Oppegaard of Native Sun Guide Fishing out of the Topsail area. And we're going to be talking about some of the different age groups and what you see, whether it's a 6 to 10 or 10 to 14 or 14 plus age group that you're targeting and get them interested in enjoying fishing. Then we're going to talk about artificial versus baits. We're going to be talking about casting, trolling, and then we're going to finish up with the ever important attitude when it comes to taking kids fishing. My name is Gary Hurley of Fisherman's Post, and Fisherman's Post has been serving the saltwater fishing community since 2003. We've been bringing you fishing reports, fishing information, fishing tournaments, fishing schools, and here in our latest efforts, the Fisherman's Post Saltwater Podcast Series. And it is in this podcast series that we reach out to our captain and guide friends from up and down the North Carolina coast, asking them to share with us their thoughts, their knowledge, their insights on how to catch more fish more often. Albeit, I think the higher purpose isn't just more fish more often, but getting you guys confidence, getting you guys excited so that you grab your family and friends and get out on the water and spend more time together more often. And I'm joined in this podcast endeavor, this episode, just like I am every episode with my podcast partner, Billy Thorpe of Thorpe Creative. Billy, welcome to yet another chapter of this podcast journey. Here we are, Gary. Another episode. I'm super excited. One thing you said in the intro is taking your family and friends fishing. Yeah, I, you don't take me fishing, so I guess I'm not a friend. <laughs> uh, I, that's you know, you don't have to say anything. Don't you don't take it for yourself. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've invited you. In fact, you even have a text with a specific date and captain invite that you conveniently didn't reply to because I'm guessing your wife hasn't told you whether or not you can do it or not. Oh, no. You know what? She did tell me, and I meant to respond, and I forgot to. So I'm in. Oh. oh. This is the official announcement. Man. All right. Well, there we go. I'm taking my friends fishing. <laughs> Just like I said. Oh, jeez. Oh. And you've got a kid, so this episode could be very applicable to you in the very near future. I'm excited, man. I, I was just thinking that on the on, right before we hit the record button. Like I'm going to learn a lot about this, so it's, it's really good. Because it's a challenge. People need help. Challenge raising a kid, challenge teaching a kid how to fish. It is. And so. Mike has some experience with it. I'm looking forward to talking to him about it. Well, I am too, so I will go ahead and give our sponsors a shout-out while we get ready for Mike, or Mike gets ready for us. We got R.A. Hitch in the Raleigh Apex Hitch there. Hitches, trailers, bike racks, and more. Anything you need for the outdoors uh, as far as, like, trucks and all that kind of stuff goes. Go see these guys. They got an extensive website that Gary obsesses over. <laughs> he really loves it. It's efficient. I do. Uh, so even if you're not in the area, give Chris and his guys a call or his team a call and tell them Fisherman's Post sent you and save 20 bucks. Make sure you get that 20 bucks off. I mean, that's uh, something they want to give to all of our viewers and uh, listeners and all that. So be sure to take advantage of that yeah, opportunity. Even if you don't care about 20 bucks, you make us look better by asking for it. So please do. <laughs> and yes, I, I am enthralled with their website. We recently yeah. overhauled our website, so I'm paying closer attention to the others. Easy to navigate. But I think what I'm locked on now is, man, he's selling quality stuff. So yeah. if you like to buy it and then have it for a long time, 
and not have to rebuy it a few years down the road, man, then go to R.A. Hitch. R.A. Hitch, man. They'll get you hooked up. And also a big shout-out and a big thank you to Marine Warehouse Center, who's been a uh, just a supporter from the very beginning of this podcast. We really appreciate those guys. We'll get a quick word from them. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Robbie with Marine Warehouse Center in Wilmington and Charleston. We are headquarters for Pair Custom Boats. These center consoles are handmade in Washington, North Carolina, and are custom designed for fishing and family fun on the water. Right now, we have several models in stock, and deal times on the custom orders are around five months. These boats are custom built to fit your needs, from the seating, the tops, the leaning posts, and the live wheels. You design the entire layout of your boat. Come by and see for yourself why they're one of the fastest growing boat builders in the country. Yeah, Billy. It's good. You know what? I didn't. I didn't. I've listened to that commercial so many times, and I did not hear until just now that that boat manufacturer is in Washington, North Carolina. Makes me even more excited for you know Marine Warehouse to partner with another local or North Carolina, you know, North Carolina business. That's a that's a cool collaboration. I did not put those dots together until I just heard it. So. Yeah, man. I, everything about those guys, you know, I've known them for years and everything. I'm I'm big fans, as you know, as our viewers and listeners know, you know, whether it's sales, service or parts, you know, again, man. And my my catch line these days is not just selling to the fishing boating community, but they want to be a part of the fishing boating community. And I think by my metric, they're successful. Absolutely, man. They're awesome. They're awesome. So is, is Terrell still calling you? With with at jokes like the, at the worst times, like I can't. It's almost like he's he's got a better talent for calling at the worst times than telling jokes. Again, by my vantage point, I mean I was headed into the bank. I usually drive through, but I had to go and make some change for an upcoming tournament. And of course, as soon as I walk in the building, you know I get a call from him, and then I don't answer, and he calls right back. I'm like, all right, Jesus, all right, I'll just go outside, <laughs> Terrell, so you can tell me this joke, and then I'll go inside. And and the jokes, I I'm pleading with people to go by and help Terrell give him your favorite fish joke, your favorite boat joke or something, because I think he's starting to scrape and you're, you're a supporter of his, but I don't know if you're going to support this joke. All right, we'll try. I wouldn't wait to know. Okay. To be clear, this is Terrell's joke. This is not Gary Hurley. This is Terrell's joke. What, what do you call a lazy crustacean? I don't know. A slobster. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Speaking of the bank, that's a money joke. Oh, good sound. Oh, yeah. That was actually a pretty good use of a sound. I'm not a fan <laughs> of sound effects, but that was a pretty good use of it on the fly. I'll give you that. Oh, man. Uh, speaking of money, you can give Gary and I some coffee money. <laughs> How, Perfect. How, how was that? Awesome. <laughs> you can head over to buymeacoffee.com only if you like this podcast. If you don't like this podcast, don't worry about it. But if you do and you want to keep us motivated with caffeine, go over to buymeacoffee.com slash Fisherman's Post and uh, buy us a cup of coffee. Buy us two cups because that would be the most fair thing to do. And it's you know, we don't want to split a cup of coffee, do we, Gary? We're, great. We're grateful. <laughs> and we love when you send us a message. If you do donate, we are grateful when you send us a message. We make it a point to reply to everyone. And uh, yeah, man, yeah. You know, we're we we appreciate you, and I hope you feel that. And and how about a fish photo? I want to do a fish photo uh, before I go to here Mike. Here we go, man. I got a fish photo right here. We have Mason Lanier, eight, age eight, right there from Burgall with a twenty-inch drum caught on live finger mullet while fishing in North Topsail Beach. 
and it's a good looking fish and a giant smile. So yeah, that's what jumps out at me is that big old smile, man. And that's hopefully what we're going to accomplish with Mike, man. Hopefully we're in the smile business by the end of this podcast. Sounds good, man. Well, I'm going to let you have it, Gary, and I will see you on the other side. All right. So I'm pleased to welcome, you know, as we talked about in the beginning of the show, man, he takes a lot of kids fishing every year, but I'm going to let him sort of plug that when I ask him the question, the question number one. Welcome to the show, Captain Mike Oppegaard of Native Sun Guide Fishing. A pleasure to be talking with you. How are you doing this afternoon, Gary? Man, we're doing great. You know, we're doing real good. We in, we're, we're enjoying our work, and I'm excited to talk to you about taking kids fishing. I am the father of three boys. I've been down these waters that I think you're going to talk about. Billy has yet to enter these waters, so we're we're listening from different vantage points, but we're both interested. Well, you know, the uh, I, I think the key, the way to start off on this is the best thing you got to do is you've got to pack your patience with these kids. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you got to answer a couple <laughs> questions, sir. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got the uh, ambiguous questions. I okay. appreciate you Shoot, trying Gary. to bully your way through this and like <laughs> make it your own Shoot, show Gary. and write your own rules. I guess that's what you do with kids. I guess that's how you handle kids, but we'll get to that in a minute. But right now, young man, I've got two questions for you. Are you ready? I'm waiting. I'm okay. waiting. Question number one. Why in the world should we listen to anything you have to say about taking kids fishing? <laughs> and what's the second question? No, you got to pass the first one. Again, it's not your rules. It's my show. <laughs> you know, nature of my business, I do June, July, August. I do a lot of what I call mom, dad, and the kids charters. And that's really what it is. Um, you know, I've got my serious guys who want to trout fish, bonita fish in the spring you know, even sight fish for drum in the winter. And, you know, in the fall, then you get your serious guys who want to trout fish and drum fish. And that leads us up to Christmas. But a big chunk of my year, usually say the end of May through Labor Day, I have got a huge chunk of that is what I call mom, dad, and the kids charters. And, you know, that's a family that's coming to the beach that they may not have the most experienced fishing salt water. They may be from, you know, Michigan or somewhere like that where they've got some freshwater experience. But they don't have any saltwater experience. So I do probably, I hate to throw out a number, but let's just say I do a lot of, of, of those charters with, with children. Anywhere from, you know, like I said, that six, seven-year-old up to, you know, 18, 19-year-old, which I reckon they're not kids anymore, but they're still kids in my eyes. That is an acceptable answer. So I will proceed now with question number two. Question number two. I'm going to ask you a question on average. And of course, you know, someone's going to text in and say this number's wrong, but I'm going to say on average, how much does it cost to raise a child from birth to age 17? According to the Internet, throw out a number, birth to age 17. Well, we hadn't started college or anything like Correct. that. So, you know, Suzanne and I don't have children. So that's not a fair question for me. Uh $225,000. Man, Ooh. you crushed it. It is $233,000. <laughs> and then if I take them fishing, I add another 400, I guess. Uh, yeah, I yeah, at least, yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least. All right, question number 2. How much well, on average? Well, I thought we just had two questions. That was this that is was a the three second part. question. Okay. 
On average, how much does it cost to send a kid to four-year public college? Oh, wow. I think that's gotten real expensive. You know, when I went, it was like 800 bucks a semester. Um, <laughs> Uh, textbooks are written on stone tablets. <laughs> hey, we had computers. Hold on now. Um, Texas Instrument Calculator doesn't count as a computer, sir. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. You know, my first one of my first computer professors did actually work on the Univac when he was a grad student. So that tells you. Um, I'm going to say twenty five thousand dollars a year, about a hundred grand. Again, you For are money, dude. 102,000 is again the number the <laughs> internet gave me. So, you have owned, you have owned the non-fishing related question. So, let's move on. Let's move on to the main event. And I, you know, we're going to talk about some different types of fishing, but I think you wanted to first sort of from your perspective tell me about like the different age groups and sort of what qualifies them or what categorizes them. Yeah, you know, I think the first thing we need to do is kind of look at what the age of the child we have going is you know i i divided it up i sent you some notes and i've got six through ten ten through fourteen and fourteen plus and and that really is just a ballpark um i've got some 12 year old 13 year olds that are fishing machines it's it's what they love to do it's what they want to do um i've got some other kids who you know maybe 14 15 and don't really have that much experience but what I usually do is, you know, six to 10, you've got about two to two and a half hours of focus. They will start to lose patience after about two, two and a half hours. It may be that you're still catching fish. They just get bored. Um, you know, modern society, everybody's got a screen in front of them. Attention spans are very short. And especially at that six to 10 age, you know, you got to do stuff that makes them enjoy themselves. And you can't just sit there and pound away and fish because really about two, two and a half hours and they're done. 10 to 14, you know, yeah, you can get that three hours, maybe four hours, really depending on how engaged they are, whether it's their, you know, if they're new to fishing, they may not be that excited about it if they're they've been fishing with dad and they're kind of really starting to get into it a little bit then yeah four hours is no problem for them you know once they get 14 plus then yeah that's six hours even eight hours just really depending on whether or not the kid really wants to do it or you know as a parent you kind of have to almost say hey you know your kids attention span better than anyone and that's what i do a lot of times is i have a conversation with mom and dad about you know hey how does this kid like to do? Does he like to sit? Does he like, is he really active? You know, can he sit still for a while or is he one that has to be on the go? And we'll talk some more about the kid that has to be on the go or the kid that wants to sit still later on in the, in the segment. But, you know, you got to approach it that way. Um, a lot of times with the six to 10 year olds, you know, a lot of fun things to do is to, Hey, go fish with them for a couple hours, you know, first thing in the morning, and then go pull off to a marsh creek and go walk around and, and, you know, look at the horseshoe crabs, look at the blue crabs, look at the conks, look at the minnows, take a throw net, catch stuff. Um, that kind of stuff really, although it's not technically fishing, it gets them interested in it. And the more you can get them interested in it, the more that you're kind of building the, the fire, as it were. I always consider myself to be the guy who flame, you know, who kind of 
throws oxygen in, or on the flames, throws gas on the flame. You know, if the kids got the spark, then it's my job to really kind of get a burning for it. Um, and, and that's a lot of fun. I mean, you really, you kind of get these kids who enjoy it, but can't, can't quite put it all together. And if you can get them to start to really put it together and see, you know, the light bulb go off and, and everything happen, it's a great thing because now all of a sudden, you know, you've done your job, but more importantly, dad now or mom has somebody that can go and fish with them. And um, that's kind of what we're, what I'm doing at least is, is trying to encourage the kids and give them a little bit more experience and give their parents a little bit more experience about what we can do to kind of make them more successful. Because if they're not successful with it, there's nothing worse, you know, especially in that shorter attention spans to sit there and not catch fish and just sit there. And, and so what I do a lot of times is, you know, is with the young ones, we may go fish for an hour or two. We may go play in the creek for an hour, and then we may go fish one more hour before we go home. It just really depends on what the kid wants to do. And I think, if anything, when you and I were talking about doing this seminar interview earlier, um, it's really good for your parents to kind of remember they need to put, you know, their ego and all the stuff that they expect to do kind of in their pocket for a little while. Um, certainly there are some 14, 15, 16 year olds that I can push like I'd push you, Gary. Um, they love it. It's what they want to do. They're eat up with it. You know, I can stand back behind them and drive them like a rented mule because I know it's what they're doing and it's what they want and they love it. There are some though that maybe don't quite have that spark yet haven't quite had that flame, you know, fanned a little bit. For those guys, you got to be a little bit more patient and you got to kind of be able to go with the flow. And I always encourage parents as we're talking about things they can do to help their kids move along. And that that's one of them is to be a little bit more patient and have a little bit more relaxed attitude. It's really hard to be hard driving when you have a toddler or somebody just above a toddler on the boat. Man, I follow all that, and I'll, everything sounds reasonable, and I can tell already you're well-versed in working with kids. And I could tell, too, from your list, like, you know, you just have some different options, and they play differently to the different audience on the boat. Because, again, yeah, every kid's different, and we're trying our best with the 6 to 10 or the 10 to 14 to categorize. So the first thing you have here is artificial versus bait. How does that play into our conversation of, not just teaching kids how to fish, but teaching kids how to enjoy fishing. First things first is you really artificial and bait. We kind of probably ought to talk about casting first. And I know I've got that before after this, but with bait, it's a lot easier for children who can't cast. Um, a popping cork in a creek mouth going with the current that child can cover a hundred yards of bank and never have to make a cast. You know, you throw it out, you open up the bale and you let it just drift down the bank. And for a kid that can't cast or is just learning to cast, you know, you can have them cast that 20, 30 feet to get the popping cork out to the side of the boat. And then they just leave the bale open and it does it for them, you, you know, and Hey, it's on a popping cork. So when you get a bite, you know, the cork goes down. It's very visual. They can see it. So that's one of the best things to do in terms of bait is to let that kid, something like that, very similar, where they don't have to cast far, 
where they can watch a popping cork and they've got a visual cue as to what actually is going on at the bait. Now, once they start casting, it's a great thing to throw artificial. It's especially what you said earlier, that kid that always has to move. You know, I was probably a very hyperactive kid. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys are. It, it, if you've got a child that has to have, has to move, has to be, you know, movement is their type of engagement, if you will. Um, throwing artificial baits, throwing a, a, a spoon, throwing a soft plastic on a jig head. Um, advanced wise, you know, once they can really cast, throwing a top order bait, throwing an MR-17, things like that where they can actually cast and move and cast and move and cast and move. That's a great thing. But you want to make sure they can cast first. And you also want to have your popping corks and your bait and everything kind of as backup. Because even adults like me, I could probably go through top order for six hours. But there's very few people who can do that. To be quite honest, usually about an hour and a half, two hours, most of my clients after throwing top order start to get a little tired of it. You know, I mean, it's a lot of casting. It's a lot of action. Um, so it's good to have a backup like that. But for that older child that really needs that kind of activity is the best way to put it. You know, to that's what keeps them engaged is that activity. Then certainly a soft plastic, you know, or, or any of the, the baits that I mentioned is a great way to let them cast. And yes, I know probably starting off that they're going to make a lot of noise casting. You know, they're it's going to hit the water and go kaplunk. But at the same time, you know, they've got to practice to get better. And that that's always the thing that you got to remember is, is they got to practice to get better. And so, you know, when I said artificial versus bait, yeah, I'm talking about, sure, you can cast bait. But a lot of times with a lot of the younger kids that can't quite cast as far, popping corks and Carolina rigs with some fresh bait is one of the best things you can do. Um, the other thing I'd point out here while I'm in this subject is don't be a fish snob. These are children. Don't don't sit there and go, oh, well, I don't want to catch pinfish. Look, if a six-year-old hasn't caught that many fish before and he's catching pinfish every cast, let him do that until he gets bored with it and then go do something else. You know, a lot of times I'll get fathers on the boat or mothers on the boat that say, hey, you know, I, I really want my kid to catch a redfish. Well, that's great. But you're coming to me in July, August, the heat of the season. And uh, you know, it's maybe not the best time in the world to catch a redfish. You know, water temperature's 88 degrees. You know, let's and you don't want to wake up at five o'clock in the morning to start fishing. So let's do what we can. You know, let's do a little bottom fishing. Another good thing to do talking about bait is, you know, just off the beach hitting the live bottoms and all that stuff. You know, black bass, grunts, ringtails, all that kind of stuff. You know, if you've got a kid and you want them to learn to enjoy fishing, you've got to catch fish. So don't, I encourage you not to be a fish snob. Go catch fish. If it's a croaker, it's a croaker. If it's a black bass that's 10 inches long, go catch 100 of them. You may have to catch 100 of them to catch two or three keepers, but that way that kid is catching fish all the time, and that's really important. All right. I, you've you just laid out a lot. I'm going to unpack some of it just to make sure I have it straight in my mind. So first, we're going to talk about kids that just can't cast 
or can't cast well, because I'm just going to imagine that's a pretty large population and everyone has to start somewhere. Especially so those kid, younger kids, yeah. Yeah, so for the kid that can't cast or can't cast well or can't cast accurately or just doesn't want to repeat cast, the most popular technique you like is a pop and cork or a float rig and just open up the bale and letting it, letting it go out and then it goes Let under. the current be your friend. Exactly. Let the current be your friend. And what are your favorite summer targets for that type of fishing and, and basic locales where we can expect or hope for some action? Okay. Your, your shorter popping court rigs, let's say two foot a liter or so. Obviously you can go bluefish. You can catch some trout. Although, you know, this time of year, our trout's kind of falling off now that it's getting hot. You can catch some redfish in the marsh and having that bait and just letting that child watch that cork go down the bank is one of the best things they can do. It gives them something to look at. So it gives them an activity, but at the same time, they're not having to be necessarily the most skillful in the world to present that bait to a fish. Um, a lot of times if you're doing that and you're not catching anything, you can always put on a piece of shrimp. Fresh shrimp will catch anything and everything. And sometimes if you need action or you need to increase that excitement level, then yeah, throw some fresh shrimp on that hook instead of a live pogie or a live mullet and let that drift down the bank and see what you can catch. Okay. And then as far as like more like Carolina rig fishing, do you find our kids resistant about like letting you cast for them and then they hold the rod or just slow retrieve or well, are they cool with you casting or a parent casting and then them taking over? It depends. I try to like to let them cast. I like my kids to cast because the way I look at it is unless they just cannot cast at all. What I'll do is generally that's the one child, the youngest child I'll stand him next to me and he and I will fish together and I may cast a little bit for him. And I encourage you guys, you know, with that six, seven, eight year old, sure cast for him hand him the rod let him let him fish um i think the important thing at that age that throwing those carolina rigs is to is to teach them to keep their line tight and pay attention we all know how you know what we discussed earlier that shorter attention span sometimes it's hard to keep them engaged so you've got to on that carolina rig really kind of get them to pay attention to the rod tip and get the line tight so they can feel the bite because with the cork rig, at least you see it go up or down and you know you've got a body. So I can stand behind two or three kids at a time and watch them fish and tell them they have a bite. Whereas with the Carolina rig, sometimes that's hard because you can't necessarily watch all three rod tips at one time. All right. And I follow that. Now I'm going to switch over to artificial. So if we've got someone that's pretty good at casting and enjoys casting, needs to cast because, because they're busy minded and you know, just more wound that way. You gave several options. I'm just wondering, like in my mind, some of those might be better for the beginner fisherman because it involves something like a steady retrieve as opposed to trying to bounce off the bottom and maintain contact, you know, which could be a little bit more challenging. It, it can be a little bit more challenging. And something else to point out with that caster who's not necessarily really good it's rare that I fish three eighths uh, to a half ounce head with that kid who probably can't, who is casting, but maybe not casting to the point to where I'd like to see him cast. A lot of times I'll go to a heavier head to give them a little bit more advantage to get that little bit more distance out of it. Um, 
yes, that's where I'm going to throw like a Z-Man's minnows uh, or a diesel minnow or something like that. Something they can throw out, let sink to the bottom, and just slowly reel it in and retrieve it. That's that's one of the best things for them. Um, a little bit more advanced, sure, you can throw like a paddle Z rig weedless on a worm hook. And, you know, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feel it touch the bottom. I want you to pop it up real three times and then let it touch the bottom again. And if you give them a pattern, it can kind of get them into kind of that routine. It kind of makes them pay attention to what they're doing and actually helps them fish a little bit better. You know, a lot of times, even with corks or with bait, you know, on a Carolina rig, by giving them a routine, you can kind of talk to them while they're doing the routine and keep them kind of actively fishing, engaged with the lure and kind of know what the lure is going on. Because you know and I know – even guys who fish a lot sometimes, A, either fish too fast, don't pay attention to the slack in their line. You know, so that's one of the things I always end up saying is, hey, you're fishing too fast, or hey, you're fishing too fast. So, you know, with that kind of thing, advanced caster, sure. You know, caster that's not advanced, obviously, you know, something they can throw out, let it sink to the bottom, reel it in slowly. That's a great thing to do. Put some procure on it, send up that artificial real good. And go from there. So I don't think we have enough time to go into detail on my next question, but I'm just wondering if you had a, you know, like instead of walking me through the process, at least a couple of hints. And that would be, I've got a, I've got a young, a young junior angler, and I'm just getting him to cast for a, some, basically the not necessarily the first time, but the beginnings of learning to cast. Any hints you can give me to help that kid, you know, get success. And then I've got someone who can cast but I'm trying to get them to cast further. I'm trying to get them to cast more accurate. Again, maybe not the whole process, but just some hints so you can share through your experiences that would help that parent out or that, you know, that person out. The beginning caster, I would encourage you to throw a slower action rod. Um, I'll throw a lot of uh, Temple Fork Outfitters, TFO. I throw a lot of four to 10, uh, which is a really light action rod. And I may be throwing a little bit more weight on it than what you would normally think. But I think for that beginning caster, that that slower action rod lets them throw further because their timing doesn't have to be as good as maybe that super high-end rod that's got a super fast action. Um, for that kid that you're trying to get more distance out of, sure, now you want that fast action rod and you want to really teach them that – the cast is not one-handed, it's two-handed, and to pay attention to their offhand. You know, the hand at the reel is the fulcrum, and it's the bottom hand that is actually getting the action on the rod tip. And it's a lot like a golf swing. It doesn't have to be – it's not a brute thing. It's not a strength thing. It's just a timing thing. And with regards to that, I do think that those younger kids do better with a slower action rod, a little bit heavier weight because their timing – doesn't have to be as perfect as throwing, you know, a 16th ounce head on a, on a trout soft plastic and an ultra fast rod where your timing's got to be perfect or you're really not going to get any distance at all. All right. And now here's my last questions on casting, I think, before we switch over to trolling. And so to sum it up, if you would do this, like your best your best suggestion for a summer trip with a kid that doesn't like to cast or isn't good at casting where, when, what, 
And then your best suggestion for a kid that is getting better at casting, a where, when, what, a summer summer recipe for success for those two scenarios, the where, when, what. All right, let, let's start with the kid who likes to cast first because that one's real simple. If you give that kid a soft plastic with a three-eighths to a half-ounce head and you start in the marsh and you hit every oyster bar, every slough that cuts into the main creek, every glass grass flat, He's going to catch a flounder. He's going to catch a lizard fish. He's going to catch a drum. Um, that to me is, is the kid who loves to cast that big soft plastic slathered in procure and let him just cast until he can't stand it anymore. You know, with that kid, you want to kind of maybe power pole down, fish an area, move 20 yards, power pole down, fish move 20 yards, but, you know, hit your sloughs coming into the main creek, hit your oyster bars, hit your points, hit your current seams, hit your deep holes, flounder, drum, lizard fish, all that stuff, you know, that's going to be down at the bottom is perfect for that kid that likes to cast a lot. For the kid that doesn't like to cast a lot, you know, same areas, but maybe go catch bait, you know, some live mullet, some live menhaden before you you know, go fishing and let him drift live bait, same scenarios, but you bitch may not be moving as fast. You may actually pick a point and sit there for 30, 40 minutes and then go down to the next point. You really got to pay attention to, you know, you can't fish those areas as fast with live bait like that as you can with artificial, if that makes any sense. Yeah, man, that makes total sense. And then, so unless you have any final thoughts on casting, I would say I'm I'm ready to hear your thoughts on trolling, getting kids involved and liking trolling. You know, and that goes back to your child that can't cast. Obviously here, Eastern North Carolina, June, July, and August are our prime Spanish months. And if you've got the boat to do it, it's the most simple thing in the world. It's very, very simple. It is a number one planer and a double alt Clark spoon. You want 20, 25 feet a liter, and you want the boat to go seven miles an hour. And that is absolutely as the most simple I can make it, and that is all there is to it. I, I, I mean, it, it's that simple. And, and the reason I really like trolling for Spanish with kids, especially kids that you don't know if they cast or not, is because they've got it, the boats moving. Things are happening. You're catching fish, hopefully. And so, you know, it's they can catch their own Spanish. It's not hard. You know, it, really and truly, that 10 to 11 year old, by the time they're that age, I can get them setting the, their own planer. I can get them putting the rod in the rod holder. I can get them picking up the rod, reeling in the fish, handing the rod to their parent and landing the fish and putting it in the live well. And, and, and that's what you're looking for. And so, you know, earlier when I said, don't be a fish snob, I know a lot of us are like, well, yeah, it's Spanish. It's kind of boring. But it's so simple. It's so perfect for, you know, those younger kids is to go Spanish fishing. Um, obviously, pick your days and be careful. You are outside the inlet, and things do happen and happen regularly. But if you've got the boat that can do it, pick a nice pretty day. Again, a double alt Clark spoon, a number one planer, 20 foot a liter. It is that simple. Seven miles an hour. There you go. So I like your thought about getting the kid involved in the whole process, not just reeling in the fish. So what what are some of the ups and downs of getting them involved in like setting the planer 
or hand lining the fish or swinging the fish over? Like, what have you found in your experience with kids? Like, where they succeed, where they need a little guidance? The, the big thing is, is uh, don't take your very expensive, accurate reels and take them to troll for Spanish with your children because chances are you're going to lose one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go through probably three a year, maybe. You know, it just happens. You just kind of shake it off and go, okay, well, that's good. You know, that's why that's why you'll see me fishing with a lot of Spanish reels or my, you know, it's a $50 reel and a $75 rod because, hey, if it goes overboard, it's not that bad. Um, they're actually really interested in it. And, you know, guys that you've got your own boats and stuff like that is, I'll let the kids drive a lot, um, which is great because I can let them drive and I can sit there and talk to mom and dad. Now, maybe not necessarily in a crowd on Saturday morning out the inlet with 20 other boats around, but certainly during the week or one of those off days when there's not a lot of people around, you know, you could tell them to, hey, go to that tree and you can sit and talk to the parents while we're trolling and they're doing something. They're driving the boat. So that makes them real happy. I mean, it's a great way to keep them engaged in the process of what we're doing. You know, another thing I'll do is I'll turn the fish finder on. And I'll turn the, uh, I probably shouldn't say this, I'll turn the gain really up so it marks just everything that goes under the boat, right? Because I've got the gain cranked all the way up. So, you know, hey, look, is that fish there? And, you know, we can go look back at the back of the boat and see if that's a fish. Um, you know, those kinds of things just to kind of keep them excited, keep them active, keep them engaged. Um, it's really important, like I said, through all this is, is a, a lot of guys who fish a lot want their children to have that desire but you've got to really start off real small and build that desire. You can't expect that 11-year-old, 12-year-old girl or boy to have the same desire to go light tackle fish a trout that you do because they don't have the experience. You know, sure, they may get there eventually, but you can't take them to go throw top water the first five or six times they fish, them not catch anything, and them wanting to go back for the seventh time. It's it's it, it, it's not smart. It, you, what you want to do is you want them excited about fishing. And once you get them excited about fishing, sure, then you take them top water fishing. Yeah, they may not catch anything, but they may really be ready to go again because they know the last four times they caught Spanish, they caught flounder, they caught whatever, and they're excited to go and they understand, okay, you know, now I'm doing something a little bit more technical. It's not going to be as fast. Here's what's going on. And that's a great way really – to kind of bring them along to where you can get them to, for lack of a better term, the adult level. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of 15, 16 year olds that I fish with that I fished with for six or seven years. And like I said earlier, I'll, I'll ride them like a rented mule because I know how much they love to fish. And I'll put them on the front of the boat and just, you know, for the whole trip, hey, cast to that point. Hey, cast that oyster bar. No, that's too short. Throw again, cast that oyster bar because I know that they've got that skill level and they've got that uh desire to do well that i can actually kind of push them like i would an adult i can't do that to little johnny who's eight years old and is only fished on grandpa's pond three or four times so i got one i, I think we're coming to the end well i do want to finish with your topic about attitude because i think that is going to be a great way you know just to sort of send us off on this mission to get kids liking fishing enjoying fishing and learning to fish uh, one of my battles early on was trying to get my kids to pose for a fish photo, like trying to get them to hold the fish, man. Do you run into any issues like that? Is that anything in your wheelhouse or I don't, I don't even fish know grips. what I'm asking. Fish grips. 
Bugger grips. Hook it in the lip, hand it to the kid. Let him hold the let him hold the fish grip. All right. I, I, I mean, that's the easiest one to do. Obviously, you know, those drum up 23, 26 inches. If you can get them sitting down and lay the fish on their lap, take the picture, then release the fish, that's really easy. Um, but fish grips are great. You know, those cheap fish grips you get at Texas, you know, stick it in the mouth, close it. They're plastic. They float. You know, keep a couple on board. You know, stick it in the mouth, hand it to the kid, take a picture, let him throw it over. Gotcha. Well, let's finish with attitude because I think you put that there for a reason and you've, you've covered a lot of it already, but I think that's a good way to sort of sum this talk up and, and say goodbye. Yeah, attitude is important. Like I said, if they're bored, they're not enjoying themselves. Go take the boat, pull it up to a sandbar, go find shells, go chase minnows, go let the dogs run around, go crawl in the marsh, go do something else, go ride. If they are engaged, then obviously keep them engaged. Don't be a fish snob. Try to catch stuff. It doesn't matter what it is. Try to catch stuff. You know, a a nine-year-old, 10-year-old, even a 12-year-old, 13-year-old, to them, a, a, a redfish is a redfish. It doesn't matter whether it's 16 inches or 26 inches. It's a redfish. They've caught a nice fish. Don't don't be a fish knob. Go catch whatever you can catch. If you have to put shrimp on the bottom and catch croakers or whatever, go do that. If that's what it takes to get your kids excited about doing that. And once they're excited about it, like I said, fan in the flame, once they're excited about it, they're more eager to go. And then once they've gone for a while and they can cast, now you can start doing some more advanced stuff with them. Now you can start doing some artificial bait with them. Now they can start to go flounder fish with you. Now they can maybe go king mackerel fish with you. Maybe they can go offshore with you and some buddies. But the first thing you've got to do is to get them engaged and get them liking fishing and thinking that fishing is fun. If they go and don't ever catch fish, they're not going to have fun. And, you know, oh, sharks, by all means, go catch a shark. What's my best play to go catch a summer shark? Uh, Any live bottom on the outside of the inlet with a big old piece of cut bait. All right. It, it, it's amazing how many sharks are in the area. Believe me. <laughs> I do believe you. Uh, final <laughs> thoughts. This is my setup. Any final thoughts to leave us with? I mean, I think the conversation and attitude was great, but I don't want to say goodbye to you until I give you one last open door. I, I think we covered that all. I, I mean, you know, it's all about just kind of keeping them engaged. Remember, like I said, though, you know, hey, a pop and cork is a great thing for a kid who can't cast. I mean, other than that, go have fun. Bring snacks. Make sure they've got drinks. Make sure they've got tons of sunscreen. Keep them comfortable. And if things get boring, go ride around for a little while. All right. Mike Abagard, Native Sun Guide Service Man, thank you so much. Enjoy this Thank you, immensely. Gary. Until next time. I'll talk to you guys later. I hope you have a good day. You too, man. Bye, Mike. Awesome, man. Well, that is uh, a ton of information about taking your kid fishing. So I love it, man. It's uh, inspiring for future days ahead of me with my son. So it's a challenge. I yeah. mean, it's a challenge. And yeah, he, re- you know, so you don't yell at your kid to hold up this fish so dad can take a fish photo because he's got to write an article. And that's why we're out here anyway. Um. <laughs> 
Oh man. Well, you know what I like, and and I guess if I had to set myself up for my own takeaway here, please, is just Mike's philosophy of like the whole purpose of this is to get young people interested in the outdoors to get them interested in fishing. And so it's like all these old tactics, like even the fish finder, like crank up the game, like let it pick up sticks or whatever it's picking up on the bottom and, you know, get them, get them used to that kind of stuff. Like I love that that is building the future of anglers and future anglers. And really the whole reason why we create this podcast is to, enable people to catch more fish more often, you know, with their friends and family, um, as we stated in the beginning of the show every week. And, uh, yeah, man, so I love it. It just plays right into, you know, what we're doing already. And even for younger people, that's, uh, it's huge. So I, I really appreciated his whole mindset around it. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's like those people, you know, like those dads at sports games where they're like, so just like ripped up about their kid not kicking the soccer ball where it should have went and it's like dude just chill out a minute and like stop go for a ride you know i like it i I love that whole mentality behind it so yeah and he even mentioned about preparing and i can tell you like to this day when the hurley boys go fishing and they are now 15 14 and 9 they expect to start the morning with donuts and they expect at some point after we put some fish on the boat that they can pull out the Mike and Ike's and the Skittles. Like they, <laughs> they still expect that to this day. And if that's part of what gets them engaged, if that's part of the recipe, then I'll sugar it up, man. I'm not scared to buy them. I'm not scared yeah. to buy their love of fishing with a little sugar. And if you boys are watching this show, you're, you got some really good fishing trips under your belt. That's not every kid, all right? No. You listen right. to Uncle Bill. Right. <laughs> you, know, right. you know what I'm saying? They have no idea. Those kids have no idea. They're grown men with cry to do what you've done. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> sell, they would sell their children to be <laughs> Gary's child. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Well, making all this possible is Marine Warehouse Center. We really appreciate those guys. Um, I just got <laughs> thinking about <laughs> it's getting cracked up. Uh, so go support Marine Warehouse Center. Go support R.A. Hitch. And uh, go book Mike for a trip. If you have some young kids, man, like he is, uh, he's got it dialed in. I, I really like the philosophy there. Yeah, man, you could tell it's like a natural topic for him. And I, I appreciated that, man. He's he's into it. You know, that energy wasn't manufactured. He gets no. excited just talking about it. Yeah, between that and Topwater, man, he's, uh, yeah. he's fired up. I love it. I do so. too, man. Well, Billy, thank you, man. Yeah, Gary. We'll see you in the next one.